This is the Dare to Dream Physician Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Waylee Gray. Hey, you know how many physicians today are feeling overwhelmed and trapped living that busy and unfulfilling life? Yet more than ever, we as physicians are keenly aware that life is precious and tomorrow is not guaranteed to anyone. My mission is to help physicians start living their best life now by discovering and achieving their wildest travel dreams. So come, join us on this journey. Welcome back to another episode of the Dare to Dream Physician podcast. In this week's episode, we're picking up on the second part of my conversation with Dr. Liz Aguirre, who practiced as a hospitalist for 10 years before transitioning to a non-clinical career, and now also shares her experiences and insight as a professional speaker on health and wellness. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, Respecting the Power of the Mind, which is part one of our interview, you can add that to your playlist after you finish this one. She shared her journey from being a child who grew up in a house at times without running electricity or water, to attending junior college, to university, then to medical school. And she's very open and transparent about the doubtful voices that follow her along that amazing journey and how she overcame them. In the meantime, here's this week's episode as we're diving into a very profound part of the conversation. That is part of the purpose of this podcast is to make space for people to every week as they listen in for them to just think about what's important to them and what are they good at and what do they really want to do? Because like you're saying, there is a lot of external expectations about what we should do. And it's not that we don't have to consider those expectations, but the part where you said being your genuine self, that is also very powerful. How do you do that, by the way? So as you're going through and there are going to be people who maybe discourage you or the naysayers, how do you know that while taking some of that as feedback to also just stay genuine to yourself? How how does one do that? So part of the reason I talk about body, mind, and spirit is because I, I really have come to a new place in my journey. So I took a meditation course and I will tell you a lot does come to me in meditation. It really does. It's so hard to explain, but when you feel it in your core and you feel it's right, it's hard to allow the naysayers in to try to push you in a different direction or to criticize you because in your heart of hearts, in your spirit, in your soul, you can feel it. You know, you're doing the right thing. You know that If I were to listen to them, it would prevent me from following my true passion, my true path. And this is so new to me because I've been trying for years to meditate. And I do mean years. My husband is a long time meditator for as long as I've known him. So I have journal entries from eight, nine years ago that said, I tried to meditate today. I only lasted a minute, but it was a good minute. So now it's every day religiously. The first thing I do when I get up is I meditate. 
And when I'm really, really struggling, if there's something that's really bothering me and I'm looking for an answer, I ask that question in meditation. What comes to me? And that's the part that people think, okay, that sounds totally woo-woo. But what is woo-woo? What is that? People throw around that word. What does that mean even? So there's science and there's some kind of spiritual space out here that people feel. And the woo-woo is that space in between, right? That, That connection to the universe or God or a higher power or whatever you believe in and science. And the woo-woo is that kind of space in between. And so again, it goes back to surrounding yourself with people who believe in the things that you believe in and everybody else, the things they say really are none of my business because those are not the things I believe. And if you start letting yourself get caught up on that, then you're going to start slipping and not following your passions or your beliefs or the things that truly resonate with who you are. And so I did want to just speak. I don't often throw out resources or anything, but this meditation course, it was CME approved for physicians. So I think it's worth mentioning. It was called the rest technique. And the physician who created that course was also a hospitalist and started teaching meditation. And I think the reason it resonated with me is because as physicians, we need to know and understand the why. And she kind of went into that in this meditation course. And the course was very simple. It wasn't anything crazy or elaborate, but it just was my time to finally click and understand it and hear it taught in a different way. So ever since that course, I've been able to meditate and feel more of a connectedness to my genuine self. And I've never been able to do that before. And that's only been since I've really started meditating. And I say that because my husband is a deep meditator. And for a very long time, he has said, I wish you can see you the way I see you. And I would always think, gosh, that is so much along the lines of what my dad used to say. My dad used to say, I wish you could see you the way I see you. And that even makes me emotional because these are two of the biggest influencers in my life. My dad, who believed in me when I didn't, and my husband, who for the last 10 years has been telling me these things. And so I just did a talk for a hospitalist group conference um, this last weekend. And immediately after the conference, someone came up to me and said, would you be open to speaking at our hospital? Because I really, really think that you connect because you talk about the studies and the research, but you also talk about something that is not spoken about. And that's the mindset and the limiting beliefs and understanding more of that. But it took me a long, long time to figure it out. And sometimes people don't figure it out by hearing it once or twice or three times or by hearing it from you or me or your next 10 podcast speakers. But then one day it's going to click and it's going to click because someone said it in a different way that you hadn't heard it or with a slightly different twist or because your mind was slightly more open now than it has ever been before. And then you just get it. 
And so not giving up, believing in yourself and who you fundamentally are really comes from, again, surrounding yourself with the people who believe in you, but also finding a way to connect with yourself deeper in a very honest way without fear of what other people think. Because it's that fear of what other people think that prevent us from being our authentic and genuine selves. Wow. That's amazing. Most physicians, especially the younger generation, have maybe heard a little, even if they don't do meditation themselves, they've heard of some benefits of meditation. It is one of those things to me where it's woo-woo and it's very different from what we do on our day-to-day. When you think about our current culture and our current kind of practice environment, right? There's so many distractions. There's so much noise in the environment. And even when there isn't noise, we create our noise by logging into social media. And even the way that information is being delivered with less people focusing on the more traditional forms of media, like newspaper articles and magazine articles, and more looking at the things that come on Twitter, just these very short clips. Now it's a six second clickbait that gets people's attention. Even the things that used to draw our attention 10 years ago are no longer drawing our attention. And and there are studies that show our brains literally have changed as a result of the way we're processing information, the way that information is being delivered in these short bites. And meditation, from my understanding and from how you're describing it, just sounds like completely opposite, right? Going back to the basics, perhaps to a way that our brains were more designed to be. We're living in this fast-paced, everything, short attention span society, and the meditation is the complete opposite of that. And by doing that every day, perhaps that pulls us more towards where our brains are better adapted to do. But here's the deal. Here here is something that was very eye-opening for me. A lot of people think that they can't do meditation because their minds are too busy and because Mm. thoughts come in and out. And the reality is those thoughts still come in during meditation. They're still going to. But what I found to be true for me is the reason I could not meditate is because I was uncomfortable with that silent space. Mm. So A lot of physicians think I don't have enough time. I have too much on my plate. There's too many things to do and not enough hours in the day. But the reality is sometimes we create that because what happens when we have a moment of silence that we can recharge and we can recover and we can rest? What do we do? We pick up our phone. We get on social media. We start scanning our emails. We are uncomfortable with silence. And that is the reality that we're all facing because of this clickbait and because of this fast-paced nature and what we have become accustomed to doing as physicians in the hospital or in our clinics. It's go, 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 go. And then you have a moment of silence and you're like, okay, what do I do? I should be doing something, right? Mm -hmm. And so meditation is very, very uncomfortable at the beginning because you are challenging yourself to have silence. And in that silence, you have to face uncomfortable things that are living under the surface that you don't even, you're not even aware that you're pushing out. Hmm. You're not even aware that they're there. And when you're in silence, you have to face them. But the other beautiful thing is once you face those things, 
once you face those things that are under the surface that are uncomfortable, only then can you move past them and allow yourself to be more open to receiving these amazing thoughts and opportunities that are there for you that you just don't see because you're busying yourself. Mm. It is so hard to grow and to develop and to create new things when your mind is so busy with so many things coming in. It's almost like if you think of a runner and runners talk about runners high, when they're just in that zone and they are flying with the wind. Well, that's the same thing when you're developing a business or you're growing, when you're in that zone where you're just focused on the one thing, you're focused in that forward direction for developing a podcast, right? Then the thoughts and the ideas start to flow and you're like, I need to write that down. That's a great podcast episode or I need to write that down. That's a perfect next direction. But you only can get those thoughts coming into your mind when there is some silence and you're allowing some room for them to come in. So that's the part that I think is challenging for people to see because I would have never understood that before. Never. And I would never even allow the opportunity because I'm like, all right, that was two minutes. That's all the time I have. I have things to do, people to see little bodies that are waiting to see their mommy. And I wasn't allowing it. I wasn't allowing that space. And just this morning, I had that big moment in meditation because I keep telling myself, I want to plan white space on the calendar where I don't have anything scheduled just so that the space is there. And then I realized, huh, that's a story I'm telling myself. I do have white space. I am just choosing to fill it with that need to, should do all of those things. In reality, nope, I don't need to do any of that. I have the white space right now. I need to not pick up my phone. I need to not check my email. I need to not feel obligated to spend that time with the kids. I'm just going to spend the next 10 minutes all to myself. That's it. We have the space. We choose not to see it sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to get distracted with all this stuff and fill that space with things. Yeah. It's so true. All of that is so true. I'm curious because you're a mom with young children and I have this problem because I am a firm believer in, in the value of meditation. I'm also in full agreement that it seems really daunting and, and scary and something that I can't do, which is so funny, right? Because it's you just do nothing. And that's the one thing that I feel like I can't do. <laughs> And so the, I think the struggle that a lot of us have, because you mentioned you do it the first thing in the morning, is when do we do that? And how long do we commit to doing this? And how do you get your kids not barging through the door and interrupting you? So, okay, so this is so good because I learned this in the meditation course. I didn't know this. You just tell them, that's it. Mommy's going to meditate right now. If you walk in the morning, if you walk in my room in the mornings and you see me sitting there quietly in meditation, you cannot interrupt me because I will not answer you. And the first few times they came in, my four-year-old tapping me on the leg, mommy, mommy, did not answer them, did not acknowledge them, only in an emergency. If there's an emergency, you can interrupt me. So now fast forward, and my, my little boy was three at the time, three. Now he's four, he walks in the room, I can still hear him, he'll walk out quietly 
mommy's meditating right now. So let's just go watch TV or let's just go do this. They will say that, oh, mommy's meditating and sneak out of the room. There's no interruption. They respect the space, but you have to establish it. And it never occurred to me that I could just tell my kids I'm meditating. That's it. Uh I will say the course, she did recommend meditating twice a day. I don't get to meditate twice a day. I did at the beginning. I did it for the first six months. I don't do the second meditation of the day unless I really feel I need it. So what do I mean by that? When I'm feeling agitated, when I'm feeling frustrated, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling like I'm about to blow a gasket, or I feel like, why am I getting so worked up about nothing? Then I tell myself, it's time for me to stop and meditate. Because that's signaling to me that whatever the circumstances here, no matter how small, I don't have the reserve capacity to deal with them. I'm getting agitated. I'm getting frustrated. I'm taking it out on my kids and family. So what do I need to do? I need to take a moment. I need to stop and I need to refuel my tank. And I can do that with meditation. Wow. Yeah, that's great. And so currently, how long do you usually carve out for meditation in the mornings? Yeah. So I'll do 20 minutes in the morning and it's usually first thing of the day I get up, brush my teeth, wash my face. And then I go sit and I do my 20 minutes first thing in the morning. The the other thing I recently learned through coaching, actually, I did a physician coaching program and I was receiving coaching. The other thing that I learned is I was putting a lot of expectations on myself and I had a very rigid morning schedule. I had to get up at five o'clock. I would do my, I would wash up. I would do my morning meditation. I would do my stretches. I would do my journaling. I could read for 10 minutes. I'd make sure I drank my eight ounces of water. I would do my cold plunging. And I had all these expectations of what I would do in the morning. And when it did not go as planned, it ruined the rest of my day. It, It would not ruin it, but I would feel like I wasn't accomplished or I didn't do what I wanted to do. And then I started realizing that that morning routine was actually negatively impacting me. Hmm. So I learned I can still have a morning routine, but when it doesn't go exactly as planned, if I go to bed later than expected, I'm not going to get my workout in the morning. I'm just not. And it's okay to adjust and do a limited routine in the morning and move that to later. later. But we have to be flexible with ourselves. And a lot of times as physicians, we think we need to do this. We need to do that. We, we're responsible for this. We're responsible for that. And when it doesn't go as planned, we beat ourselves up and we have a lot of negative self-talk. And that, to me, I was not aware of at all, at all, until I had physician coaching. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I was beating myself up. I was saying mean negative things to myself. You should have done this. You should have done that. Well, if you had done this, that wouldn't have happened. And that awareness was able to help me make a shift that I didn't realize. So, yeah, Yeah, that's that's great. So from meditation for inner listening, developing self-knowledge, but also coaching to look at the blind spots that we may not have been aware of. Yeah. And just to talk about physician coaching for just a second, because honestly, I 
I'm new to physician coaching. So a lot of people are like, you know, well, what is that? I've never even heard of it. Physician coaches, they get certifications on how to coach people, how to think about their thoughts and their minds and dig a little deeper and really just help you to see your potential and guide you to reaching your full potential. And it's it's very different because they're not operating in the capacity of a physician. They're operating in the capacity of a coach. And I say that because there are a lot of coaches. The vast majority of life coaches are not physicians. But for me personally, finding coaching from another physician was very helpful because they understand how a physician's mind works. They understand how we beat ourselves up the standards that we hold ourselves to and so forth. Yeah, agreed. I've also gotten a lot of physician coaching and totally new. I didn't know really what that was and was not skeptical, but just didn't think that it applied to me. But in the last six months, I met with a lot of different physician coaches and I have to say it's been life-changing. Well, I will say I totally was skeptical and my husband reminded me about this and I got really sad when he did. About a year or two years into our marriage, he had told me he wanted to get a coach. And I was like, for what? I totally didn't get it. I totally didn't understand spending thousands of dollars to have a person coach you for what? Coach you in, I don't get this at all. And I totally, just totally shut him down. And so fast forward, eight years later, I was going to him saying, yeah, I think I want to get coaching. And he's, oh, I think that's a great idea. I remember, you remember I talked to you about that one time I wanted to do it. And when he said that, the thought immediately came to me and I had just this intense amount of sadness because I was like, I just totally shut him down because I didn't understand it. And I limited his growth because I know the power of coaching now, right? And I limited his growth because I was close to that idea, but it's because I didn't understand it. Mm. I didn't understand it at all. Wow. So that was part two of my amazing conversation with Dr. Liz Aguirre. Don't miss next week's episode. It will be the last part of our conversation. And Dr. Aguirre will be discussing her burnout experience and her transition from clinical medicine to a non-clinical career. You can find Dr. Liz on her website, lizaguirremd.com. I'll link that in the show notes as well. And if your group or organization is looking for a wellness speaker, I would absolutely recommend Dr. Aguirre. Go to her website right now and get the information to connect with her. She can either speak in person or in a virtual forum. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please share it with a friend and go on your favorite podcast app to give us a five-star rating and a review. It really helps us to get the word out there. Also, I am really excited to announce I've started a online Facebook community for physicians. Go and search for Dare to Dream Physician Travel. That's the name of the Facebook group. If you have trouble finding us, the link is also in the show notes. I hope to see you on the inside.